Okay, praises be to our loving Father that we are able to gather together today to study his words and his commandments. Welcome everyone to the second anniversary of the registration of the Assembly of Yahushua. We are truly happy that you are with us uh, for this celebration and offering of praise and thanksgiving to our Abba. We are joined in person by some of our brethren from different parts of California and also via Zoom and Facebook Live, our brothers and sisters in the Far East, the islands of the sea, in Europe as well, in India, our brethren also in Africa and Canada and in other parts of the world. We are truly blessed because we have been gathered together on the sacred day of Shabbat. Now, it's, it's a good timing, actually, uh, to celebrate the prophecies and the emergence of the Assembly of Yahushua because at this time, all over the world, many people are indeed expressing their thanksgiving, right? And many people are thankful because they have family and friends and good life and good health. They're thankful because they have jobs, so on and so forth. And so it's good to have a mindset of gratefulness. It does the mind well. It does the body well. However, we who are members of the Assembly of Yahushua, we also have a different reason for why we are truly thankful today. There's a reason why we meet together or assemble together for thanksgiving and for gratefulness. What is that reason? Let's begin our studies here in the book of Ephesians 1, 3 down to 5. Let us give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Yahusha Christ. For in our union with Christ, he has blessed us by giving us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly world, even before the world was made. God had already chosen us to be his through our union with Christ so that we would be holy and without fault before him. Because, because of his love, God had already decided that through Yahushua Christ, he would make us his children. This was his pleasure and purpose. Why are we truly thankful today? What are we celebrating today in the anniversary of the assembly of Yahushua? We are expressing thanksgiving to our father, the father of our king, Yahusha. We are giving thanks and praise to Yahuwah, our Allahim in heaven. Now, why are we thankful to Yahuwah, our God in heaven? The Bible says, because of his love. I want you to think for a while about the great love that Yahuwah has shown. How did Yahuwah manifest his love for each and every one of us? He gave up his son. What's his name? Yahushua. He gave him up to die on the cross so that we can receive salvation. Do you know when Yahuwah gave up his son to die on the cross? Bible says, while we were sinners. This is called sacrificial love. It cost God, his son, so that we can receive the blessing he wants to give us. Why did Yahuwah choose to sacrifice his own son? Bible says, so that we can be his adopted sons and daughters, so that we can be children of Allahim. Do you know what comes with becoming a son or daughter of Allahim? Bible says, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly world. We haven't even sniffed that yet. 
I cannot wait to obtain the spiritual blessing in the heavenly world. This is what awaits the sons and daughters of Allahim. This is why we ought to be thankful. We celebrate today what is called redemption. We celebrate sacrificial love. We need to understand how much Yahuwah gave up so that we can become his sons and daughters. But does it mean that Yahuwah stopped expressing his love after he gave up his son to die on the cross? It did not stop. It continued. This is why when we read the book of Ephesians 1, 9 to 11, this is what it says. God has now revealed to us his mysterious plan regarding Christ, a plan to fulfill his own good pleasure. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to his plan. So we have the sacrificial love of Yahuwah. But Yahuwah did not stop expressing his love after giving up his son. What also does he continue to do? The Bible says at the right time, according to his purpose and pleasure, he is working something out. What is that? He's gathering. He is bringing together many people to Yahushua. This is the work of restoration. Yahuwah knows mankind would fall. Yahuwah knows you and I are going to commit sin. But Yahuwah does not give up on us, does he? Because if he did, we would not be here today. How many here committed sin today? Anyone here commit sin today? Nobody wants to confess, huh? How many sins? Maybe that's the question. How many sins did you commit today? We all know we're sinners, right? I mean, yesterday we probably committed sin. Maybe we don't know about it. You see, as people of Elohim, try as we might, because of our flesh, we fall and we stumble we commit sin, but guess what? Yahuwah does not give up on us. This is called his redemptive love, relentless love. He is working to constantly restore each and every one of us. This is why today we're celebrating. We are being thankful for redemption and restoration. We are thankful because of Yahuwah's sacrificial love. We are thankful because of Yahuwah's relentless love. He does not give up on us, even when we fail, even when we stumble. This is why when we look at the work of salvation, it contains the work of redemption and the work of restoration. Question, raise your hand if you know the answer. How did Yahuwah Abba reveal his work of redemption and restoration for the salvation of people? How many know? The answer to that question. Raise your hand. Nobody here knows? How did Yahuwah reveal his work of restoration and redemption? It's in the Bible. What is it called? <laughs> oh boy, there's like silence for a half an hour. What did Yahuwah do? What did he reveal? Bible says and teaches the feasts, the Moedim. How many feasts are there? How many feasts? Seven. Do you know what a feast is? Are we having a feast today? In a way, because there's food set up over there in the back. We're going to be eating together. But you know what? The Hebrew word used for feast 
It's not just about eating together. It's something else. The Hebrew word is moed. Feasts, plural, moedim. Seven moeds. The moed of Yahuwah. What is that? It's an appointed time. You see, Yahuwah has a timeline. And in this timeline, our King Yahusha will be sent forth to carry out the work of restoration and the work of redemption. Look at the Moedim. We have seven. What's the first one? Passover. That's what we celebrate around springtime, right? And then we have Feast of Unleavened Bread. Then Feast of First Fruits. Then the Feast of Weeks, Day of Trumpets, Day of Atonement, and Feast of Tabernacles. We have seven feasts throughout the year. And what do we know and understand about the feast, the Moedim? It is the timeline, the calendar of Yahuwah that he gives to his son, Yahusha. You see, Yahusha, when he first went to earth, you know what he did on these appointed times? On Passover, he died. The Feast of Unleavened Bread, he was buried. Feast of First Fruits, Yahusha appeared with a resurrected body. And so this is the work of redemption. Yahuwah gave up his son to die, to be resurrected, that we can be redeemed of our sins. But it does not stop there. There's the Feast of Weeks, right? This was fulfilled when Yahusha sent his spirit from heaven to the assembly, to the people of Allahim here on earth. And then we're looking forward. The last three trumpets have not yet been fulfilled by our king, Yahusha. But in the future, he is going to fulfill that as well. On the day of trumpets, Yahusha returns for his assembly. What happens to our bodies? It becomes a glorious body. Yahusha comes back to earth together with us. And what will he do? The Bible says that is when Armageddon, the final war, is going to take place. The day of atonement when Yahusha will begin to judge. And then what will Yahusha do? On tabernacles, the last of the seven feasts, he will establish his kingdom. That will last for how long? One thousand years. And eventually, to, restore, to complete restoration, we will dwell in our eternal kingdom in heaven. So we have redemption. We have restoration. But you know... There's going to be something that will happen after the Feast of Tabernacles during the millennium. What could that be? Let's study now the book of Daniel 12, 11 to 12. Uh, from the time that the daily sacrifice is abolished and the abomination that causes desolation is set up. There will be 1,290 days. Blessed is the one who waits for and reaches the end of the 1,335 days. This is a strange prophecy. How many here have read this prophecy before? Right? Daniel is writing in the book of Daniel 12. He's speaking about scenarios, what will happen in the end times. He speaks about the abomination that causes desolation. Why do we need to understand about the abomination that causes desolation? Because when Yahushua was here on earth, he said, this is the sign that we ought to be looking for. How many here like signs? People are looking for signs all the time, right? Asteroids, tidal wave, earthquake, pandemic. There's a lot of end time signs. However, 
there is the sign that our King Yahusha told us to be aware of. What is that? It is the abomination of desolation. This is when the Antichrist is going to set up his symbol, his power, and, see, and sit on his throne as the person commanding control over the whole world. He's going to set up his kingdom. Abomination of desolation. However, this will come to an end. When will it come to an end? The Bible says for how long? After 1,290 days. That's not too long, is it? 1,290 days. And so after 1,290 days, we know that the Moedim, the seven Moedims, have been completed because the power of the Antichrist will be removed. And so after 1,290 days, the seven Moedim would have been fulfilled. But you notice another number that came up, right? Let's go back to Daniel 12, 11, 10. And then in verse 12, it says, Blessed is the one who waits for and reaches the end of the 1,335 days. So the Bible tells us after 1,290 days, after the completion of the seven Moedim, after the Feast of Tabernacles, there's going to be the removal of the power of the Antichrist. But then the Bible says there's going to be blessing for those who reaches when? The end of the 1,335 days. I need your help, brethren. Can you please subtract 1,290 from 1,335 for me? How many days? Yeah. So after the end, or after Yahushua fulfills tabernacles, the seventh Moedim, something is going to happen after tabernacles. This is why the Bible says, blessed are those who are able to reach the end of 1,335 days. Do you know what might happen during the millennium after 1,335 days? What is going to take place after the celebration of tabernacles or after Yahushua? fulfills tabernacles as a Moedim. If we go back to our timeline, right? We have seven Moedim. We have the Feast of Tabernacles, the last Moedim. After Yahushua fulfills that, there's going to be 45 days. After the 45 days, at the end, something's gonna happen. We put a question mark there because we have no idea what it is. But we can give suggestions. Is that okay? Right? I mean, let's look for clues. Let's go back to Daniel 12, 11 down to 12, because we know that this countdown is going to begin when the abomination that causes desolation is set up. This is the Antichrist. Remember what the Apostle Paul said about the Antichrist. He will sit in the temple of God, and he will accept worship as though he was God. He will have his power tied to his throne. The abomination that causes desolation. That's going to be removed and is going to be replaced. And so if the throne is removed after 1,290 days, after 45 days, what do you think might happen? I mean, what would be the proper replacement for the throne of the Antichrist? Of course, the throne 
of who? Yahushua, right? So after 45 days, the land is going to be prepared. And then what will be built? So that the Shekinah glory of Abba will be revealed and manifested. It is the millennial temple. This is why when we studied the book of Ezekiel 40 to 48, it speaks about a temple, right? This is not the temple during Herod's time. This is not the temple during Solomon's time. This is a temple during the millennial reign. Because when you look at this temple, it is magnificent, much more magnificent than the temples that we have seen in the past. There's a size comparison on the left is Ezekiel's temple. Compare that to Herod's temple on the right and Solomon's temple on the right as well. And so we know the millennial temple is going to be set up after our King Yahusha establishes the millennial kingdom during the celebration of tabernacle. So what's going to happen in the temple? Take a look. Ezekiel 43, 5 to 7. Then the spirit took me up and brought me into the inner courtyard. And the glory of Yahuwah filled the temple. I want to pause there for a while. Do you see the contrast here between the Antichrist and the true Messiah? The Antichrist is going to set up his kingdom. He's going to sit on his throne. But our King Yahusha, our father, Yahuwah, they're going to replace that with the true temple, the millennial temple. And in this temple, there's going to be a physical evidence of his glory. What is that called? The Shekinah glory. The glory of Yahuwah will fill the temple. The temple itself will be a physical manifestation of the presence of Yahuwah. Verse 6, and I heard someone speaking to me from within the temple. While the man who had been measuring stood beside me, Yahuwah said to me, son of man, this is the place of my throne and the place where I will rest my feet. I will live here forever among the people of Israel. They and their kings will not defile my holy name any longer by their adulterous worship of other gods and by honoring the relics of their kings who have died. And this is the basic law of the temple. What does it say? Absolute holiness. The entire top of the mountain where the temple is built is holy. Yes, this is the basic law of the temple. And so when Yahuwah, through Yahushua, establishes the millennial kingdom, a new throne will be set up. And in this throne, whose presence will be manifested for the people of Israel. It is the presence of Yahuwah. What is that called again? The Shekinah glory. The physical temple will topple the temple of the Antichrist. And this is going to happen after 45 days. And so we now know the question mark, we believe. It is when our King Yahusha will restore the temple as a manifestation of the presence of our father, Yahuwah Elohim. Cannot wait to see that temple. How about you? Yeah? When is that going to be? Millennium. When is the millennium? We don't know either, but it must be coming soon, right? But you know, before the temple is going to be restored, what do you think Yahuwah is going to do first? What is he going to do first? Before establishing the physical temple, what will Yahuwah do first? He will first restore the people of God. Well, why would there be a need to restore the people of God? 
Don't we have people of God today? We do. Then why is there a need for restoration? Well, because there's a problem that we read in the Holy Bible. It's called the problem of apostasy. It's a pattern that's repeated throughout Scripture. A theological word was made for it. It's called apostasia. Apostasy in English, which means what? What does apostasy mean? Falling away? A turning away from Yahuwah? Is this a problem among the people of Elohim, the people of God? Yes. Take a look at this chart. This is the people of God. Israel, Judah, they were chosen by Yahuwah. And what's the purpose of Yahuwah in choosing them? They were supposed to be the messengers of the Ten Commandments. They were supposed to shine as a light for all the world. But instead of doing that, the kings, the people of Israel, the people of Judah, what were found in them? Apostasy. Take a look at how many evil kings and what happened to the people of Israel. You see all the red circles? An overwhelming majority of the leaders, of the people of Elohim, the people of God, they turned away. What is that called again? Apostasia. Apostasy. Yet, and this is the mysterious part, despite the apostasy, despite the evil again and again and again, what does Yahuwah choose to do? He still chooses to restore that temple and his spiritual people. Do you know why? I mean, be honest. If you were God and you called the people and for many centuries, all you see is evil after evil. You, cause, you call them to repent, but they go back to their evil ways. If you were God, what would you do? I'm going to toss the project, right? Forget this project. I give up. But Yahuwah does not give up. Do you know why? Do you know why Yahuwah does not give up on his people, Yisharah, Israel? Let's read Hosea 11, 7 to 8. If you get a chance, I want you to read the whole book of Hosea because it has so many nuggets of truth. Hosea 11, 7 to 8. For my people are determined to desert me. This is Yahuwah. He's speaking about his people. And Yahuwah says they're very determined. I mean, it's not just they turn away from me accidentally. They're determined uh, to desert me. They call me the most high. They pay lip service. But they don't truly honor me. Oh, how can I give you up, Israel? How can I let you go? How can I destroy you like Adma or demolish you like Zeboim? My heart is torn within me and my compassion overflows. Yahuwah says, then I will heal you of your faithlessness. My love will know no bounds for my anger will be gone forever. What is the reason for why Yahuwah does not give up on his people Israel, even though they follow the pattern of apostasy? What's the reason? So it's one word. What is it? Love. I think the parents who are here can understand that, right? How many here have stubborn kids? You have stubborn kids at home? Yeah? I'm not going to talk about my kids because they're here. <laughs> But your kids are not here, right? Come on, tell me the truth, right? Sometimes they can be stubborn, especially when they get to, what, 13? <laughs> Become teenagers, they have like a life of their own. Don't bother me, dad, right? I mean, even if they do what is bad, even if repeatedly they do what is wrong, 
and go against your wishes, are you gonna are you gonna say, okay, I don't love you no more? That's it. Bye bye. Is that what you say? You know, Yahuwah considers us. He considers Yisrael as his what? His children. And so, what does that mean? He will not give up on us. What do we call that again? Relentless love. This is why even if they fall, what will Yahuwah do? He will restore. Restore because of his relentless pursuit to bring his children back to him. That is the love of Abba. Relentless love. Isn't that beautiful? This is why the pattern of apostasy is met with the pattern of restoration. And what we have is this. This is the pattern of scripture that we find over and over and over again. Yahuwah begins with his people. What does he do? He blesses his people so they become successful. They begin to grow. But what happens when they enjoy success? They betray Yahuwah and turn away from him. And what does Yahuwah do because of his restorative love, his relentless love? He does not give up. He sets apart a, what is it called? A remnant. And this remnant, what will he do? He will restore. This is the pattern of scripture. This is why in every dispensation of time, there's always a remnant of the people of Allahim. Even today, we have what is called the very small remnant. We studied this before. We know Yahuwah set apart for himself that small remnant. Question, how can we recognize the very small remnant of Allahim, the people of God today? We need to know their characteristics. Let's turn to the book of Jeremiah 32, 38 to 41. But before I go there, remember, before the physical temple is built, what will Yahuwah do? He will first build this, the people. Before the physical temple, the physical building, he's going to first build the people. What does Yahuwah God do? When he begins to build his people, the remnant people that belong to him. How does he build his people up? Let's read Jeremiah 32. There they will be my people and I will be their God. And so this clearly is speaking about the people of God. So how will God build up his people? And I will give them one heart and one purpose. What is that purpose? To worship me forever for their own good and for the good of all their descendants. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them. I will never stop doing good for them. I will put a desire in their hearts to worship me. And they will never leave me. I will find joy doing good for them. And will faithfully and wholeheartedly replant them in this land. Where is that land? Jerusalem. In Israel. When Yahuwah prepares to restore the physical temple, what will he do first? He's going to build his people. What does Yahuwah do when he begins to build up his people? He plants a desire, right? Where does he plant that desire? In the heart. What is that desire that he plants in the heart? Desire to worship. Why are we here today? Did someone force you to worship? Do you know what we have in common with the other brethren from throughout the world, the Philippines, Europe, Canada, Africa, India, and elsewhere? Do you know what we have in common? We all have in common 
the desire to worship. None of us were compelled to worship. There's no taking of attendance. Did we take attendance? Oh, did uh, Sister Carrie attend worship service today? You better go visit her. She did not attend. Is there fear? Is there a way of enforcing that? No. We don't need to. Who's going to put that desire in our heart? It is Yahuwah. This is how the assembly was built, was it not? I mean, when we first were removed from the synagogues, what did we long for? Worship. Did people try to stop our worship? Many. They said, you do not have an executive minister. How can you meet for worship? But what did we thirst for? Worship. Who did we want to worship? Yahuwah. Yahushua. We did not stop worshiping because who put that desire in our hearts? Yahuwah did. That's what we all have in common. And what will Yahuwah do after he builds up his people? You notice the last sentence? He will wholeheartedly replant them in his, in this land. The temple, the physical temple. Before it is planted in the land, Yahuwah first prepares his people. That's us. He's preparing us. It began when worship was placed in our heart. How else can we recognize the people of Elohim? Isaiah 52 verse 6. But I will reveal my name to my people. And they will come to know its power. Then at last they will recognize that I am the one who speaks to them. How else can we recognize the remnant people of Elohim? Bible says that Yahuwah will reveal his name. You know what's funny? There's so many uh, religions today, right? And they always mention the name of God. I worship the name of God. And you ask them, well, that's nice. But what is the name of God? And what do they say? God. <laughs> but God is Elohim. That's not his name, right? There are many so-called Elohims, right? What's his name? Oh, it's Lord, L-O-R-D. No, that's a title. It means Want to, be, uh, want to be followed, right? So what is the name of God? Well, the Bible says we, uh, there are people who say, we don't need to know the name of God. But the Bible also says the people of God will know his name. This is for one of the characteristics of the true people of God is they know their, his name. How are they able to know his name? Who reveals it to them? I will reveal my name to my people how does yahuwah reveal things about himself to his people how the bible the bible and so what is that name that will identify the true people of elohim zechariah 13 verse 9 this third i will bring into the fire i will refine them like silver and test them like gold want to pause there for a while i like to pause Gives you the opportunity to catch up because we're going really fast because we have a lot of material. Okay. So here, Zechariah 13, we have a prophecy, right? About the people of Elohim going through what? The fire. When gold goes through the fire, what happens to that nugget? Does it become bigger or smaller? Becomes small, very tiny. That remnant that comes out of the fire, that's special to Elohim. And so there's going to be this testing of fire. There's going to be a remnant that will be left when we go through the fire. And that remnant, what will they do? It says, they will call on my name and I will answer them. I will say, Yahuwah speaking, 
This is why we can know who the true people of Elohim is. Yahuwah himself is telling us who. Yahuwah says, I will say, they are my people. Who are they? And they will say, Yahuwah is our God. And so one of the identifying marks of the remnant people of God today is that they will proclaim the name of Yahuwah. What else? Revelation 14 in the verses 12. This calls for endurance on the part of God's people, those who obey God's commandments and are faithful to Yahushua. How also can we recognize the remnant people of God today? They obey the 10 commandments. There's so many churches today who profess Christianity, but they say the 10 commandments is what? It's obsolete. But the 10 commandments is tied to the character of Yahuwah. This is why the Apostle John writes to us and tells us and reminds us, you cannot know God. You cannot love God without knowing the Ten Commandments because the Ten Commandments reveals the very character of Yahuwah. To reject the Ten Commandments is to reject who? Yahuwah. This is why we proclaim, we obey the Ten Commandments of Allahim. What else? The Bible says they are faithful to who? Yahushua. Do you know what it means to be faithful? When you say a husband is faithful to the wife, what does that mean? There is no other. There's no secret other either, right? That's what faithfulness is. Are we supposed to be faithful to Yahushua? Yeah. How can we be faithful to Yahushua? When our devotion to him, we will not share with another. When our full devotion is given to our true leader, who is our true shepherd, Yahushua. HaMashiach. And so, so far, what we have to identify the remnant people of Elohim today, number one, they have only one desire placed in their hearts, that is to worship Yahuwah. They proclaim and call on the name Yahuwah. They preach and obey the Ten Commandments, and they're faithful and loyal to Yahusha HaMashiach. These are the characteristics of the remnant people of Elohim. And this is what we strive to follow. So we believe we are the people of Elohim. But you know, there's something in the spirit of restoration. There's something Yahuwah wants to do with his remnant people. What is that? Let's read Jeremiah 23, 3 to 4. But I will gather together the remnant of my flock. Let's pause there again. Give you time to reflect, right? You know what Yahuwah's work is in these last days? We read it in Ephesians earlier today. What does he do? What does Yahuwah do? He brings people. Who does he bring him to? Who does Yahuwah bring his people to? Yahusha. Yahusha is the uh, redemptive love of God, right? And bringing people to him is the restorative love of God, right? That's what Yahuwah does. He brings people to Yahusha. Because without Yahushua, we're done for. With Yahushua, we, we are the sons and daughters of Elohim, right? So that's what he does. He brings people to Yahushua. I will gather together the remnant of my flock from the countries where I have driven them. I will bring them back to their own sheepfold. And they will be fruitful and increase in number. Then I will appoint responsible shepherds who will care for them. And they will never be afraid again. Not a single one will be lost or missing. I, Yahuwah, 
have spoken. And so what does Yahuwah have in store? What is his plan and purpose for the remnant of his flock? He will bring them together, right? And place them in their own, what does it say? Sheepfold. What is a sheepfold? It is a structure where the sheep go to, to find rest, to be fed, to be taken care of by the shepherd, who is the great shepherd, Yahusha. This is why this is the work of bringing people to Yahusha. But here on earth, what will Yahuwah also appoint in that sheep pen or sheepfold of their own? Bible says, I will appoint responsible shepherds. These are the elders, the pastors of that sheepfold that Yahuwah will bring or appoint. What's their purpose? To feed us, to take care of us, so that we will not be afraid, so that we will not go missing. This is why the prophecy here in Jeremiah speaks about the formation of an assembly, a sheep pen. How can we recognize this sheep pen, this sheep fold? How will they form together? Let's read the book of Hosea 11, 10 to 11. They will follow Yahuwah. He will roar like a lion. When he roars, his children will come trembling from where? From the West. That's interesting. From the West. They will come trembling like birds from Egypt, like doves from Assyria. I will settle them in their homes, declares Yahuwah. And so, how can we identify this sheepfold? The sheepfold where the remnant flock will be brought into. Here, we read to you, there's going to be a roar. And who's doing the roaring? Yahuwah through Yahushua. The lion will roar. Anyone here heard the roar of a lion before? No? You've heard, Brother Siegfried, you heard the roar of a lion. Can you do, can you give us a sample of that roar? Because I really want to hear that roar. You should include an audio clip of a roar. Huh? Do you want me to do it? No, I'm not going to do it. My wife said, no. <laughs> but when do lions roar? When do lions roar? When they're victorious. You know what Hosea chapter 11 is all about? It's about the pattern of apostasy, right? Israel turns their back on Yahuwah again and again and again. Yahuwah says, how can I give you up? My heart is torn within me. I love you too much. And so he sends his son, Yahusha HaMashiach. One day, he's going to roar, right? There's going to be this shout of victory. And who will hear that shout? Who will hear that roar? Not everyone. But the Bible tells us who will hear that roar. Who, did, who will hear that roar? Children from the West. the West. Children from the West will hear that roar and they will come trembling. Do you know in biblical times? Do you know what the purpose of the roar is? When the kingdoms roar? Let's read the book of Psalm 74 verse 4. Your enemies roar in the midst of your meeting place. They set up their banners for signs. 
during the ancient times, biblical times, when a kingdom overcomes another kingdom, what do they do? They roar. What does that mean? They set up their banners for signs, a banner that represents the official name of that kingdom, right? When you set up a banner, it is the equivalent today of registering or making something official, right? And so during the time of the Bible, when your kingdom overtakes another kingdom, they set up their banner. It's an official way of saying your kingdom now belongs to me. This is your banner now. It is your sign. And so when the Bible says the roar of the lion will be heard, what will the people who come trembling, the children of God do? They will set up the banner. You get it? What banner? What banner are they going to set up? Isaiah 11.10. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him and his place of rest will be glorious. What is that banner? That those who are from the West will set up in response to the roar of the lion of Judah, Yahusha HaMashiach. It is the banner of our king. The root of Jesse is who? Yahusha HaMashiach. And so the banner we're going to set up is not our banner. But whose banner? The banner of our king, Yahusha. What does it mean? When we set up our banner, and it is the banner of our king, Yahusha. Matthew chapter 10, 32 to 33. Those who declare publicly that they belong to me. I will do the same for them before my father in heaven. But those who reject me publicly, I will reject before my father in heaven. And so what does it mean to set up Yahusha as our banner? We publicly, officially, legally declare that we belong to who? Yahusha. That's the purpose of registration. Purpose of registration is to publicly declare, to set up our banner, to set up our sign, which is the sign of Yahusha. How is Yahusha going to be officially our banner? Isaiah 43, 5 to 7. Do not be afraid because I am with you. I will bring your descendants from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not keep them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Bring everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. How is the banner of Christ to be used in identifying the people that Yahuwah brings together and brings to the one flock or one sheep pen? Bible says they will be called by my name. What name? The name he created for his glory. What is that name? It's the name of Yahusha. What is the meaning of Yahusha? Yahuwah saves. What did it take for Yahuwah to save people? He had to sacrifice his son. This is why the name Yahusha reflects the sacrificial love of Yahuwah. And after the sacrificial love of Yahuwah is the redemptive love or the restorative love, the relentless love. What will he do? He will bring people together from the north, from the south, from the east, from the west, wherever they were scattered from. Yahuwah will bring them together and they will be called by the name Yahushua. This is why we assembled together officially 
under the banner of Yahusha. We publicly declare that we belong to him. And so we filed, right, for to be officially recognized as a church. And this was honored officially. Officially, we became the assembly of Yahusha from the state of California, which is in the West, right? When November 24, 2020. So this was about two years ago. So what's today? The 26th, so it was actually two days ago. So two days after two years, right? So we celebrate our anniversary today. And we believe that we ought to do, though, do so with joy and thanksgiving because the registration of the Assembly of Yahusha, as you have read, we, because we have shown you, is the fulfillment of Jeremiah 23, 3-4. Hosea 11, 10-11. Isaiah 11, 10. And Isaiah 43, 5-7. And so when the Assembly of Yahusha was officially registered in the West. The people from the West responded from the roar of the Lion of Judah. And when this took place, to what? To what does Apostle Paul liken the assembly to? Let's read Corinthians 3, 16 and 17. Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and the Spirit of God lives in you. God will destroy anyone who destroys this temple. For God's temple is holy. And you are that temple. Is the temple precious to Father? Yeah. So much so, Yahuwah says, anyone destroying that temple becomes my enemy. Whoever destroys that temple, Bible says Yahuwah will destroy. During our time, who is that temple? Bible says, you are that temple. We are that temple. What does it mean that we are that temple? Yahuwah's spirit dwells in us. The Shekinah glory of Abba can dwell in us. Right? So if we are the temple of the living God, what does that mean? What is our work? Let's read the book of 1 Peter 2, 4 to 5. Come to the Lord, the living stone. Rejected by people as worthless, but chosen by God as valuable. Come as living stones and let yourselves be used in building the spiritual temple where you will serve as holy priests to offer spiritual and acceptable sacrifices to God through Christ. Yahushua. What does it mean that we are the temple of God? We're not the physical temple or the spiritual temple. Because we form the spiritual temple, we're called living stones. What is our purpose? To be kings and priests of Yahushua. And so our work is to offer spiritual and acceptable sacrifices to God. That's our work to worship, right? We do that as spiritual stones today. This is why as the spiritual temple, that's us, during the millennium, we're going to be leading in the millennial physical temple do you get the connection right there's a spiritual temple first they will serve where in the physical temple yahoo was preparing the people first and then when the temple is established we will represent the physical temple this is why the two go together right and so while we wait for the millennial temple there's something yahuwah wants us to do 
Is that okay if I read it? If I read it to you, would you obey it? Do you promise to obey it before I even read it? Are you sure? You might be saying, okay, if it's from Yah, if it's from Yahuwah, yeah, right? I mean, even before I read it, if it's from Yahuwah, yes, right? We don't have to debate that. We need to be firm in our conviction, no matter what I'm going to read, no matter what I'm going to read. If it's from Yahuwah, it's amen, right? And so Yahuwah brought us together. He gave us the name for salvation, Yahusha. For what purpose? What does he want us to do? Well, let's go back to Isaiah 43. This is what he says. You. What does it say? You are my witnesses, says Yahuwah. And my servant whom I have chosen that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed nor shall there be after me. What does Yahuwah want us to do? Bible says you are my witnesses. What does it mean when you are a witness? What does that mean? You testify. You give evidence. You give information. You talk about the one you're witnessing for. Who are we witnessing for? Yahuwah. In other words, we're supposed to talk to people about Yahuwah. Can we do that? Because that's our purpose today. Before the millennial comes. Before the trumpet blows. We're supposed to be telling people about who? Yahuwah. But here's the thing. How can we tell people about Yahuwah when we don't know Yahuwah? This is why the Bible says that you may know and believe me and understand that I am. And so what we need to do is to spend time reading the Bible, knowing all about Yahuwah, what he likes, what he does not like, so that we can give a good testimony for Yahuwah. We tell people about him. What else? In Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. Telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We testify and be witnesses of Yahuwah. Who also must we testify of? Our king, Yahusha. We tell him about what he has done. We tell the people what about what the father has done. This is called the redemptive love. And what's the other one? Restorative love, right? Sacrificial love. Relentless love. This is what we're proclaiming today. This is what we have to share with our fellow men. The love, the unfailing love of Yahuwah and the unfailing love of Yahusha. This is what we need to do before the millennial temple comes. Remember what, what happens after 45 days? After 45 days that Yahusha completes the seventh Moedim, what's going to happen next? Yahushua restores the temple. When? 45 days after Yahushua fulfills the Feast of Tabernacles. You know, out of curiosity, I decided to check out when the day, the celebration of Tabernacles back in 2020 was finished, right? And the last day was February, uh, fr uh, Friday, October 9, 2020. 
right? This was in 2020. Remember the Moedim, the tabernacle, the Feast of Tabernacles, the last one for the year 2020. And so this was October 9, 2020, right? And so let's put a circle in October 9, 2020. And then the Bible says, if you are able to wait until the end of 45 days, there's blessing because there's the erection of the temple, millennial temple. We're looking at 2020 now, right? And so let's count 45 days. Is that okay? Okay, let's count 45 days. One, two. Oh, come on, Brother John. Can you count? Can't you count faster? I could. I can. Yeah. Look at that. <laughs> you get 45 days. You reach the end of 45 days. What do you get? What date do you get? Huh? November 24, 20, 20. You see? What happened November 24, 2020? What happened again? What happened November 24, 2020? The registration of the assembly of Yahusha, the spiritual temple of Yahuwah. So it was restored November 24, 2020, corresponding to the 45 days that happens after tabernacles. Do you think that's coincidence? What do you think? You think that's coincidence? No, that's not coincidence. You know what that is? John 5, verse 17. We're almost done. Yahusha said to them, My father is always at his work to this very day. And I too am working. You know, when we read this passage, it kind of shocks a lot of people. Yahusha reveals something here that the Jewish people had no idea about. What is that? Yahusha said to them, my father is always at work to this very day. Yahusha, who sits at the right hand of Abba, is also at work to this very day. You thought Yahuwah and Yahusha is sitting in heaven doing nothing? No, he's working. A lot of times we don't realize that because he's invisible. He works behind the scenes. Right? And what is he bringing together? He is doing his work of restoration. This is why there are events beyond our control that can take place. And its purpose is to reveal the handiwork of Abba, which is beyond comprehension. This is why sometimes we look at coincidences and say, oh, it's just a coincidence. This is no coincidence. It's the work of Yahuwah. Bringing the pattern together, bringing his people together. But is it only at the global level that Yahuwah works? No. What else? What else is the purpose of his work? Philippians chapter 2, 12 to 13. Keep on working with fear and trembling to complete your salvation. Because God is always at work. That's beautiful. God is always at work in you. You see, Yahuwah doesn't just work on a global scale. Like he's some kind of impersonal God. Yahuwah is a personal God. I want you to kind of absorb that. Yahuwah is working behind the scenes. And Apostle Paul says he's working in you. What does he do in you? 
to make you willing and able to obey his own purpose. Who do you think planted that desire for worship? Yahuwah. Who do you think caused you to come here today? You could be somewhere else today, right? But you're here today. Who is always working behind the scenes in our life? Who is that? Yahuwah. But what must we understand about the work of Yahuwah? He's not yet finished. This is why Apostle Paul says, complete it. Complete that work that Yahuwah began in you. Do not squander it. Allow Yahuwah to complete that work in you. You know, sometimes when we live this life, we have troubles, we have pain. You go through tribulation. We become sad. And sometimes when bad things happen to us, we begin to say to ourselves, why is Yahuwah allowing this to happen? You know what the answer is? He's not yet finished. He's not yet finished with your, with your life. He started something great in you. Let him finish it. Let him finish it. Surrender to him and say to him, Father, I'm going through suffering now, but I trust you. And so I surrender my life to you. Do with it whatever you want. And when Yahuwah completes it, when all is said and done, when he finishes his work, we're going to be brimming with joy and thanksgiving. Do you know why Yahuwah is always working in us? Psalms 139. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. Yahuwah is working in us because he's always thinking of us. There may be times when we don't think about Yahuwah. But Yahuwah always thinks of us even while we're slumbering or sleeping. When we wake up, he's still thinking of us. The Bible says Yahuwah does not stop working. What is he doing? He's doing something for us. We don't know it yet. I believe when we are in eternity, Yahuwah will tell us, Oh, my son, my daughter, remember that time when this happened to you? Oh, it was because of this. I had a purpose for that. Every tear that comes from our eyes, there's a purpose for that. And it can be traced back to Yahuwah working out his plan in us. He thinks about you. He knows your sadness. He knows your weakness. He knows your struggle. And he cares. This is the message that we want to proclaim today. Yahuwah cares. And Yahuwah knows when we stumble and fall. He gave up his son. That is his sacrificial love. But even if we fall, even if we fail, he is relentless. That's his work. Brethren, that's the work of Yahuwah. To be relentless in his pursuit of us, his sons and daughters, because he wants to show us how much he loves each and every one of us. And so today, 
as we gather together before we pray. What should we do? What should we ask from Abba? Let's read the final passage of our studies. The book of Zephaniah 3, 14 and 17. Sing, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O Yisrael. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. For Yahuwah, your God, is living among you. He is a mighty savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. This, Bible, this verse tells us how much Yahuwah loves us. He takes delight in us. But did you read the last part? The Bible says he will rejoice over you with joyful songs. Have you heard Yahuwah sing? Perhaps one day we will hear him sing. Have you been so full of love about a person? You sing a song to that person. Maybe a parent who has a newborn baby. And you want to give peace to that baby. And you sing your songs. Songs of love to your child. Yahuwah was the same way with us. And the thing is. He does this knowing that we are sinners. We failed him many times. But relentless love tells us he will never fail us. He will never stop loving us. He will never give up on us. So brethren, let that message of Yahuwah's promise be in your mind, be in your heart. May it give you gladness in time of fear. So that you can live in joy because of the assurance of Yahuwah, his sacrificial love and his relentless love is true. And he embraces us to this very day.